So these, uh, the mystics, if you will, in exploring consciousness, they find there's a unity there. And they find there's a variety there. Why should we think otherwise? Hmm? There's a, there's a variety that doesn't compromise the unity. Here there's a variety that veils the fact that there, there's only one thing. Hmm? And it, it's, it's there for all of us. That's called death. Hmm? And you can't keep it. Hmm? Even if you like it, it's even worse. <laughs> then, you, then what do you do? Hmm? Sure as death, they say. Hmm? There's one. There, there's the, the other. The other way they talk about it. There's a sure thing. Impermanence is another sure thing. Um, misery. Misery. Hmm? Again, even the happiness that we attach ourselves to, that is derived from things. Really, that is that is the womb from which misery will take birth. Dukkha. Um, what is it? Hmm? Yeah, but. Hmm. Dukkha yonai evati. The Gita says they know something here. Dukkha yonai. See, they're teaching me. Dukkha yonai evati. Tasam Brahma Anyway, this I, it, it is the material attachment and the happiness that's derived from that security that, that, that is derived from that. Hmm? This is the womb from which misery takes birth because you can't keep it in place. There's no firm ground there. And so, you know, every now and then we start to realize, I'm not on firm ground. I tried. I'm not, this isn't working. I've got to move again. It's, and it's musical chairs because you keep moving, keep moving, and then there's no more chairs for one person, and that person's gone. Hmm? And we all think, what a loss. They've gone. Hmm? Where did they go? Is there anything more? <laughs> hmm? Hmm? The mystics, however, they found a unity. Hmm? And they found within the unity, there was a diversity. The unity did not compromise the diversity. Hmm? It was a real unity and a real diversity. And they talk about it in different ways. I want to talk first about how they talk about it in a unified sense. And how we can understand, I want to give some credible idea to the idea of an afterlife, of a consciousness being transcendent, hmm? to, to give a death blow to materialism, if you will, philosophically, hmm? as much as you can. <laughs> the idea is this, that the basic experience of the mystic is the death of that reflection of consciousness in mind that I talked about earlier that says... I am American. I am Indian. I am a woman. I am a man. Hmm? I am a child that's been eaten by a crocodile. <laughs> All of this I am, I am this, I am that, is from the sacred text point of view, not what we are. We are, but we're not that. Hmm? Because that is here today and that will be gone tomorrow. Hmm? And we are constituted of something else that's witnessing all this. And when consciousness is reflected in the mind, 
then this there's an I that's produced from that. Hmm? Again, I'm American, I'm Indian, whatever it is. And this we call the, the, the kind of conventional self, the conventional ego. Hmm? And mysticism is about killing that ego. Hmm? Now, killing doesn't sound like a good idea, but we have to consider what that ego does for a living. Hmm? It's a killer. That ego is a taker. It's struggling to support itself in a totally losing cause. It cannot read the writing on the wall. It will never endure. The Purana Bhagwat says it beautifully. Ayurharati vaipum sam ujjanastan chayanaso. Ayurharati. As the, with the rising and the setting of the sun, all this sense of self derived from identification with things, ayur harati. Ayur means like ayurved, ayur, life, harati, is being harati, taken away. Hmm? With the rising and the setting of the sun, it's all being taken away. I mean, this is, that's beautiful. Nothing could speak louder to us in one sense. Then the sun, if it didn't rise tomorrow, that would make headlines. If it didn't rise for a few more days, we might have a hard time reading after a while without any light. Hmm? If the sun went out, hmm? yeah, it would be too dark to read. Hmm? But every day the sun is rising. And, and, and this is in, in the sacred text, the world is spoken about poetically. It's not spoken about like this is gravity and it works like this and this is thermodynamics and this is, you know, whatever all those forces are. It's not concerned that much with talking about the objective world in that way. It's concerned about talking about the subjective world and about the objective world in such a way that if we think about it like that, it will help us to pursue the project subjective reality of what what we are in an enduring sense. Hmm? So it says like this, uh, it, it says, the sun is like a chariot moving across the sky. Of course, we know, right, that actually we're just standing in one place and the earth is moving or something like that. I don't know how it all works, to be honest with you. And, and, and the sun's actually not moving. Like this. Uh, you think too much to, to bring this up. It's speaking in a poetic way. It wants to say to you there's something called time and, and you're on its agenda. Hmm? And you means that I. I'm American. I'm a woman. I'm a man. That, that's a, a, I was a child. Now I'm an adult. Hmm? Although I don't want to act like it. But <laughs> that, that's good too. Hmm? But this I... Hmm? is a taking I, unfortunately. To maintain that sense of I, in other words, to live, we have to kill. This is what Darwin said, and we agree with him. There's a struggle for existence. The Bhagwat says it like this, Jibo Jiva Sujivanam. One living being is food for another. That's the norm in this world. That's not pretty, hmm? but it's true. One living being is food for another. Fortunately, the Bhagwat doesn't stop there. It says that there, but there's something that's perpetuating this killing, this 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 morbid sense of being. Hmm? 
that, that, that lives on, on, on the death of others, if you will, on taking. Hmm? Taking is not, you know, not a nice thing. Uh, selfishness is not very becoming. This is, everybody accepts this. Even thieves want to divide the loot honestly. Hmm? So we all accept that it's not good to be, it's not very becoming to be selfish. It's not very beautiful. Hmm? So a life of taking is not a beautiful life. The rishis, the sages, they wanted to kill this life. And the sacred text gave them some inspiration how to do that, a methodology, how to... It's a, it's, a, it's a hard kill, but it's a soft one at the same time. There's no blood involved. There's no blood and guts. Uh, it, it doesn't take any, any weapons hmm? a, a, at all, but, it, but it's, 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 it's final. Hmm? It's conclusive. To kill that I, that to undergo an ego death, is so f much more profound than a biological death. A biological death is nothing. Hmm? In fact, it's said, for that matter, that isn't it that nothing is ever created, energy is not created or destroyed, something like that? Hmm? So, biological death, and it's not death at all, right? I guess. <laughs> the parts just reassemble somewhere else, right? Hmm? Ego death, I mean to say, that is real death. This is a real death. Think about it. If you think, I am an American, and I am a, in this income bracket, and I am a father of these children, and I am a, uh, an owner of this business, and so on and so forth, and all the things that make your life what it is, all your identity, all your, uh, your, your my's define your I. Hmm? Of course, Nothing belongs to you, so that I is not very substantial. Hmm? This is our point. But if I was to say to you, okay, I am going to take away your job, I'm going to take away your house, your wife, hmm? and all the things that you think are yours, you're going to think, I'm dead. There's no meaning in my life anymore. Hmm? Right? This is a real death. What, what, what else does death constitute besides this? the slaying of your whole sense of what I am. Hmm? Now, the sages, the mystics, they have, in all different cultures, they have a unified experience of the death of this conventional self. This self is what makes us feel different from others in a way that gets in the way of us communing with one another like we sense we should be able to. I'm an American. Therefore, you know, some of us think, therefore I can bomb somebody else. You know, you want to get beyond this kind of thing. Hmm? You want to be compassionate. You want to identify with all people, all species. We have a sense we should have good people, have some, un there's some unity, but there's some, you know, what's getting in the way with, of that really is we can try in different ways. We can try animal rights, we could, you know, it's not a bad thing. We could be vegetarian. I recommend it. There's all kinds of things we could do to try to come closer to that sense of unity we feel is at the, you know, the, the, the basis of reality, hmm? ultimate reality. But all of them will fall short of what we can accomplish, the sense in which we can arrive at that by slaying the ego. Therefore, the mystics, by slaying the ego, they find 
a, a, a sense of unity with all all things. And, and what happens is that is huge. The practical side of this, I heard Daniel Dennett recently, who was a, another materialist. He wrote a book called Consciousness Explained. One of those, he, he's a, like a philosophy of mind, I, I suppose, type of a person. Some of his contemporaries in the same field call it consciousness unexplained. Hmm. So, so much for all those theories, you know, they're pretty speculative at this point. But at any rate, he said, what's with these guys going in the cave, you know, the yogis and sitting there forever, you know, and some people talk about it as a big thing, but what do we get out of that? I mean, has anything good ever come out of that? Anything practical that we can use? Hmm? It's like, by going within like that, what did we get? Hmm? And we say, go within, Daniel, or go without. It's all inside. Hmm? There's nothing outside. Hmm? There's something, but it's not food for you. You can't live on that in terms of what you really are. Hmm? What comes out of that hmm, is for just just a, a small idea of that in a practical sense in this world compassion hmm? undying compassion a sense of in other words and where is this where's this compassion coming from it's coming from being able to identify with people in other words if I know that you suffered from something and I also suffered from it then it's easy for me to empathize with you when I find, oh, you had some suffering. You had, oh, I know what that's like. It's, so if I can identify with the suffering of others, then I can empathize with them. And in the death of the ego, this difference between ourselves and others has, go, has disappeared. It's what's getting in the way. So there's op oh, suddenly the floodgates are opened. Hmm? And I have, I'm filled with empathy. The dam has burst. Hmm? Does this have any value? Hmm? Would, the would the world do any, you know, benefit from, if all of us really experience such a, but who can go live in a cave? Hmm? Who can do this in such a way that they can arrive at that ego death? Who has the courage? We can all sit here and go, sounds good, but let's not talk about it for too long. <laughs> I've got something else to do here. It sounds good, but <laughs> talk about doing it, that's another thing. Hmm? I gotta put, yeah. I could sacrifice some things. I could sacrifice some time and come and hear the Swami speak. I could even give a donation. But to give myself? Put myself on the altar? Well, <laughs> this is, <laughs> it's not for the weak-hearted, hmm? this thing. But but we're, we're fortunate because not everybody's weak-hearted. And those few people who have gone that distance, hmm, they stand like lighthouses in the darkness of material existence, showing the way, showing that it's possible. And they lend a hand to us to help us go there. And they know exactly what our suffering is in all of its nuances in material existence for life after life after life. It's like a like a like a memory, a memory to them. Yes, I was there, hmm? and enough for there to be immense empathy and an overflowing of 
caring and taking the time to try to explain and articulate the experience in a way that will be understandable. We can get a handle on that hmm? and try to go in that direction step by step. And even the smallest step in that direction is huge. It's huge. And they see like that. Therefore, we think, I'm trying. I'm not making any progress. Hmm? And our guru will think, oh, something is there. <laughs> Don't worry about that. Hmm? Hmm. You've taken a small step in a big direction. Hmm? In the right thousand steps in the wrong direction. One step in the right direction. What is the difference? How does it measure out? Hmm? And they see also, from the view of eternity, they see, oh, you're close. Any minute now. <laughs> it's going to happen. <laughs> Any minute. <laughs> You know, if you knew life was going to be in an hour, it's all going to happen in an hour, you think, oh, no, no problem. So, you know, it's a long hour. You're that you're almost there. Hmm? Have this sensibility. Hmm? Hmm? So they encourage us. And I want to say this ego death means, it means to become divine. It means, to, for example, what is human? Human is this, I am this, I am that, and all the carnal drives and so forth that go with that, 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 interfere with us getting along with one another. Hmm? There's almost so much, only so much food to eat and is there any left? Well, you know, I want it, you know, and, you know, she wants it too and, and you know, you're going to be polite and human or you're going to be animal. Hmm? And we, you know, often become the animal, sometimes we become the human. What we're talking about here is to become completely human. Hmm? And that means... It's so human that you go, that's not human. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> it's not human. Another way to say it is, that's superhuman. That's divine. How could you do that? Be so giving, so sacrificing, so free from all of the drives that come from this I am this or I am that, that get in the way of, of us appreciating one another, loving one another. So how could you do that? That... We in just in practical sense, we say, oh, he's divine. If that person who has that experience then wants to explain it, and in the context of explaining it, posits all these metaphysical realities, consciousness transcends mind, and so on and so forth, and this happens, and, that, and we go, I can't prove that. I can't demonstrate that. I'm not going to believe all these metaphysical things. Just believe this one thing. Hmm? It's right before your eyes. That person, for all intents and purposes, is divine. Hmm? Rare person to find. Sudulu Bhagavatahi Loke. To find that person, to come in touch with that person, to touch that person, hmm? to see that person, to hear that person. Hmm? This is the moving example of what we could be. Hmm? How, how big we could be. And the way to get there is to become small. Hmm? To get off the high horse of our sense of what we are that is so puny. Hmm? <laughs> and walk. Hmm? Walk humbly in the direction upon slaying the ego of what? Of being. Now this, I said, is the common ground, right? Of all the mystics. I am. Hmm? Not that I'm American or I'm a man or woman, but I am. Hmm? I am. This is 
this is, and I've said, we have reasonable and even scientific firm ground to stand on. To use Chardin's phrase, this is the ground of being hmm? that we're talking about. Hmm? To stand on that, this I want to say to you, is the beginning of real spiritual life. And it's not the end. This is to commune with our source, our consciousness source, Godhead, if you will, hmm? in terms of one moment in its life, God's life, if you will, the being moment. In other words, God exists. Consciousness, the sun of consciousness exists. So do the rays. So when I give a death to the material ego, I'm giving a death to the idea that I might not exist at some point. Hmm? And I'm experiencing eternity. The, sadhu, the sage spirits experiences, I live forever. All these things that I'm not. What is his, 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 his being? In other words, he's communed with the being of the absolute and he knows, I be. Hmm? That's what he knows. He knows, I know that I exist. I want to say to you, if you could know the extent to which you actually exist, you would have no fear. We have fear, and lots of it, because we don't know the extent to which we exist. So how grounding is that? How peaceful is that? How comforting is that? We can be so comforting that to know that I exist which the corollary of which is, I know that other things don't exist in that they don't endure. In a meaningful sense, in an enduring sense, they don't exist. The American idea doesn't exist, the democratic idea, the republican idea, the, this idea, that idea, all the, these things, are, like I said, here today and gone tomorrow, they have that kind of knowledge. Hmm? I know what I'm not. I'm none of these things. I'm not a thing. Hmm? So in communing with the being aspect of the absolute, the experience of the mystic is, I exist, I know that I exist, I know what is, not, what is, what is non-existence hmm, in an enduring sense, and I love to exist. Hmm? So I be, I know, and I love, right? I be, I am, I know that I am, and I love that I am. Hmm? So, I want to say, this is the beginning experience. Now we kind of move on from there. Hmm? You think, where will we go from there? <laughs> That's pretty, you're going pretty far. I want to say that the knowing moment in the life of the Absolute, we can commune with more fully than simply by knowing that I am. When I know that I am, and I know that what is not enduring Hmm? I have that kind of knowledge. And I love to exist. I love the fact that I, I love to exist. Oh, I exist and I love it. It's blissful. Hmm? There's no more worry, anything. And there is a bliss to it. I mean, a, a, a infinite amount of bliss. But there's more within infinite. That's an interesting concept. But I love to exist. I'm loving it. It's a big, ah, oh, what a relief. I was struggling to exist for eons, hmm? and going about it the wrong way. Hmm? By taking, I learned to start to give and see what happened. I grew. 
I became bigger. I became one with everyone. I became that which matters. Hmm? I, I realized that's what I am. Hmm? And so there's a, there's a lack in this of any distinguishing. It's just like, I am, we're all one. It's all just like, that's blissful. Hmm? Now, if we factor in knowing more fully, rather than just the knowing that I be, that I am, hmm? some, there, there, there's some nuanced difference that comes in. I was talking about unity there. There's some difference. Because if you know something, then there's another, there's an object of knowledge also. If I just know that I am, the knowing is kind of like compacted into the being. And if I love that I am, love that I exist, if I love to exist, the loving is also, the knowing and the loving are revolving around the existing. Existing is the main thing. And knowing that I exist and loving it are this kind of uh, derivative, if you will. But now if we... If we move, let's put knowing in the center instead of being. We'll put knowing in the center. Let's say, okay, I exist to know and I love to know. Hmm? I exist to know and I love to know. That's different. Knowing is now in the center. Hmm? In this kind of, there's a spiritual discipline that arrives at this also. We call that Ashtanga Yoga. The previous realization I talked about is realized by what we call Gyan Yoga. Hmm? Gyan means knowledge, but it's a knowing of what I'm not. Hmm? And loving of being. In Ashtanga Yoga, the realization comes that knowing is what it's all about. You know how yoga works? You get to know all kinds of things in yoga. Hmm? It's a, it, just in a microcosmic sense, you know the body and how it works, how it digests and everything. You can get in there and, and do all kinds of far out things. You can, you know, you can, you didn't know your body could do that, you know, and <laughs> twist in this way and that way and so forth. So there's a kind of a, the prominence in yoga, in Astanga Yoga is knowing, hmm? actually. And if you read the Yoga Sutras, for example, the, the most most recommended Meditation is Ishwar Pranidhana. Meditate on Ishwar, the sense of the of the absolute being, omniscient. Hmm? It's not an I. It's not a discipline of becoming that absolute, but knowing that absolute in such a way that I know everything. Hmm? Omniscience is the goal of yoga, Astanga Yoga. Hmm? This is a knowing moment. It's to commune with the knowing moment of the absolute in the life of the absolute. And so now I I am. Hmm? And I love, but I, 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 I exist to know and I love to know. Hmm? Now, we shall move to the next one. This is called Bhakti Yoga. We had Jnana Yoga, Ashtanga Yoga, and Bhakti Yoga. Bhakti, of course, means love. So it's concerned with the loving moment in the life of the Absolute. Love means Anandam. Hmm? What I want to say to you, in the knowing moment, the fact that there is any variety is somewhat obscured in transcendence. It's a knowing of a unity. In the yoga moment, in the, in the knowing, knowing moment of yoga discipline, there's some greater sense of that there's, there's an Ishwar, and then there's, there's, there's me. But I'm like the Ishwar also. 
and now identifying with that that knowing capacity. Hmm? If we move to bhakti and ananda and the loving moment, the differentiation in transcendence, the variety of that, starts to take precedence. Hmm? It doesn't compromise the unity. For example, I can love in unity. I can say, Indra, you and I are one. I love you. See that? Now, he and I are one, but we're also different at the same time, right? If you take you and I, and then you, there's a meeting in love, you and I become we. It's not that you are canceled out and I'm canceled out. It's we. It's a, now, this is the dynamic kind of unity. That's pretty interesting. There's a unity, and all that's there in unity is there in that, that, that dynamic unity that is a diversity at the same time. Hmm? It's getting more complex, hmm? but more interesting. Hmm? Let me explain it also like this. In the, in the loving moments of the absolute, what do we have? You could be, you could exist, but not know about it. Hmm? And if you didn't know about it, you couldn't love it. But you couldn't know and not exist. You could, you could exist and know about it, but you might not love it. Hmm? But you cannot love without existing and knowing that you exist. You understand? So the loving moment of the Absolute is the full moment. Hmm? And being or existing and knowing are derivative of that by necessity. Hmm? If the Absolute is loving, if Brahman is ananda, anandamayo byasat, as the sutras say, if the Absolute is anandam, then it has to exist and it has to know. And these are derivative of its nature as a lover. Hmm? Bhakti, that discipline for killing the ego, hmm, is concerned not only with killing that ego, that, that I am American, for example, but it wants to also move beyond the, 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 the positive ego or identity of I am, that has, that's beautiful as we said. Hmm? So it wants to say, uh, and, and, and beyond that I am and I know, I am and I know and I love, and I don't love to exist, and I don't love to know, I exist to love. Hmm? And I only want to know what's necessary to love. That's all. My being and my knowing are subordinate to my loving, and at the same time, that being and the knowing is the most profound being and knowing. You might think being unto itself, loving to be, makes being bigger. In one sense it does. But <laughs> if we exist only to love, actually that existence becomes bigger. Hmm? If we know and are interested in knowing only what is necessary for loving, that knowing is the best knowing, the most comprehensive knowing. So bhakti is then this technology, if you will, that methodology given in the sacred text for communing with the loving aspect of the Absolute. Now, I began talking about this, obviously, uh, as you may recall, by saying, let's talk about consciousness and that we're a unit of Satchit Ananda. Hmm? We're a unit of 
being, knowing, and loving. So think about it. If we are, and, and in our material experience, which is where that consciousness is reflected in the mind and so forth, we are living to... Loving is driving the world. We're kind of, it kind of escapes us, but we're looking for it. Hmm? It's what gives meaning to life. Value. Hmm? So, if we move from material life to, to, to transcendental life, to egoless life, hmm, then what I want to say is, if we move in the direction of the Ananda moment of the Absolute, through the discipline of Bhakti, hmm, then we have, to, we have to understand that if Ananda is to be prominent, there has to be a significant other for it to have any meaning. Again, as I said, love requires another. It requires becoming one with the other, but in a dynamic sense. So if Ananda is what we're really about, hmm, joy, the pursuit of joy, the pursuit of love, we're looking at it in the, in, in the wrong way, in a place where we can't find it in a, with a false sense of self, but we're looking for it. If Ananda, if I'm speaking to you and you go, yeah, love, that's the best thing. I like that. I li I'd like to exist to love rather than just to love to exist. I mean... Nobody's going to disagree with me here. Nobody. We all think, yeah, that would be better. To, 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 rather than to love to exist, to exist to love. That sound, yeah, that sounds good. Mm -hmm. So we ought to pursue that common sense and its universal common sense. Then we have to understand, in transcendence, when we slay this material ego that caused us to have a difference from people, a false difference, and we came to a unity that gave rise to universal compassion, hmm? If we keep moving in that direction of transcendence in the pursuit of the ananda of ourselves and the ananda of the absolute, then we're going to find there's some differentiation within the unity. It doesn't take away the compassion. It doesn't get in the way of me loving you and everyone else. I'm going to the source of ananda, the source of loving. If I pour water on the root, what will happen to the tree? Oh, all the branches will love me. All the flowers will love me. If I put food in the stomach, all the parts of the body will love me. Hmm? This, when we speak about Krishna, this means the significant other. Hmm? You, have to, you have to read a little of the text. What is Krishna? Hmm? Krishna is described by the mystics. Oh, he's only loving. That's all. Hmm? The full sense of the Krishna, given Bhagavad Purana, for example, he's only loving. Dancing, playing the flute, loving. Hmm? He's not even interested in establishing what religion is, what it isn't. He's not even... Oh, he's not even interested in the Bhagavad Gita. And he spoke it. That's an interesting point. Hmm? He spoke it at a certain point to certain people who needed to hear it and so forth. But, but in his full sense of self, the full manifestation of the idea of Krishna... He doesn't even know that he is the significant other. Hmm? Because he's completely in Ananda. And Ananda causes knowing and being to recede. Think about it. Love retires knowing in a sense. And, 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 and <laughs> you know, I said love knows no reason. Hmm? The more you're in, in, in love, the more you're your existence has meaning even if it otherwise doesn't. 
let's say, for example, you know, there's an earthquake in Winston-Salem and everything is destroyed and all your house and everything, you know, but but your loved one is with you and you're th there you are and you've taken up in the hollow of the oak tree and it's raining out, you know. What a miserable existence. But because it's loving, well, it's okay. It's going to be okay. Hmm? So, Krishna, the idea of Krishna is that it's a moment in the life of the Absolute where the Absolute is so absorbed in what it's really about, Ananda, that its being, the source, is obscured. Hmm? That its knowing, I am I'm the source, is obscured. And this then makes that Absolute very accessible to us. Hmm? If we are approaching with love, hmm? With, in, in the discipline of bhakti, for example. Hmm? Bhakti is, a, I, mean, I mean to say, is a discipline in yoga in which the source is conquered by that which is, is derivative of it. In other words, if I'm, we can't think of the ray of the sun covering the whole sun. Hmm. But the example doesn't entirely play out because we're talking about love. Hmm? Krishna means that there's a possibility in yoga of loving the Absolute so much that the Absolute becomes almost at our disposal. Something like that. A possibility of such a union of intimacy hmm? where the finite and the infinite uh, kind of almost change positions. Krishna, we see Krishna. Have you, have you heard the Leelas of Krishna, the divine play of Krishna? He, in, the, in this play, God is depicted as having a mother who chastises him. What is that, you think? Hmm? Radha is the lover of Krishna, and she says, don't come here. You cannot come in here. I'm upset with you. What is that, you think? Hmm? This, this means... There's a kind of parental love. There's a kind of romantic love of the absolute. Hmm? And when it reaches a certain pitch, this is Krishna. The, the object that corresponds with that, that's what we mean by Krishna. And Krishna is in the hands then of Radha, in the hands of those who have parental love. This, is, this, is, this means to have a union with the absolute that is so, um, that is comprehensive, something like that. So this is a few words anyway, I want to say about the being, the knowing, and the, what was the other one? The loving aspect of the absolute. We're a small unit of that. We are being, we are knowing, we are loving. And if we want to pursue the loving element of ourselves, this mystics have recommended this bhakti tradition. So I encourage you to try it, <laughs> as you have by coming here. Are there any questions? Yes. So the question is, is there is it possible for consciousness to become diseased? And if so, is there a treatment for that? Um, in a sense, material life is a disease of consciousness, is what I want to say. It's not really affected, hmm? but by way of identification, for all intents and purposes, it's, it's diseased. I'll give you an example of what I'm saying. Consciousness is eternal by nature, in the way we're describing it. 
Mm -hmm. But if that conscious being starts to think that I'm not, I'm not going to endure, well, that's not true. Mm -hmm. But let's say, you know, it's, it's kind of a virtual reality. Let's say I enter a virtual reality in the computer and I start to feel all the things that are going on there. I mean, I'm outside. I could turn the computer off and it'd be over, but I'm so absorbed in it that I've, that I've started to identify with it and I've lost the sense that I'm, I'm outside, you know, with the keyboard out here making it all happen. That would, you know, we'd think this person's got a computer disease, you know, whatever they call it. I don't know. Hmm. You know, the virtual reality disease. He's got to come into the actual reality here. We've got to pull the plug, mom, you know, or dad, or, you know. He's just like, he's going in there. He's never going to come out kind of a thing. So uh, the cure for that is to pull the plug in one sense. Hmm. So this is what I'm talking about, pulling the plug. Otherwise, otherwise, no, there's no, there's no, there's no real disease for consciousness. Material life is the diseased condition of consciousness. Consciousness is not, is not going to be affected by matter. Hmm? I'll give you an example of what I mean by that. Okay. You take a light. Here's a light. Okay. Cover it up. Is the light out? No. It might be for us. Let's say it's a cloudy day. Sun's gone, right? If you go above the cloud, well, they're shining like, right? This is the position of consciousness. Hmm? It may appear that it's out from our perspective. He died. It's gone. It's over. Can't you see? Why are you talking about this afterlife stuff? Hmm? Well, I've explained why. <laughs> There's a good reason for it. Hmm? Uh, so consciousness is not subject to any material condition, but it is in its, in its, in its it, it, kind of the splinter of consciousness, the ray of the sun of consciousness is subject to, due to its smallness and size, the illusion of thinking hmm, that, it's, that it's in a condition of darkness, if you will. So what, what, what's the solution? We need more light. Hmm? Sadhus come to turn on the light. That's the idea. Hmm? Any other questions? Yes, sir. I think that will happen if you do it today. <laughs> That's the idea. Uh, you, you know, you have to start somewhere. So it's good to think like that, but don't think in a way that's impractical. Hmm? Because nobody's going to do that for you. So if you think is it, it may be possible for everyone to become enlightened, then if, if you really believe that, then you have to start working on yourself. Hmm? And then you have a perspective, oh, they really are enlightened, they just don't know it. <laughs> they really are, they just don't know it. Anyway, something like that I want to say. But I, I, would, I would say, other than that, that it's probably a bit unrealistic. Hmm? And why? Because I would say there is no end to the, to the, to the, to the world. There is no finite. It's only a perception. Hmm? So there's always going to be someone in need of enlightenment because there are an infinite number of, of, of atmas. Hmm? So, I mean, these are hard things to fit between the ears, I understand. But in that sense, in Gita says, Bhagavad Gita, Manushyanam Sahasre Shu Kaschin Yatati Siddhaye Yatatam Apisiddhanam Kaschin Mambeti Tatpata. 
It's a, kind of a rare thing that people are even interested. Hmm? Then you could say, well, in time everybody will. Yeah, and we got a lot of time, but it's something that's always going to be going on. It's kind of a leela in itself. Hmm? Yeah. Are not mental are not mental activities, although we may think about it, but there are right. things that are basically eternal that we can have glimpses of. Yeah. More than glimpses. Well, I, I'm just sort of curious how does one go beyond glimpses? Yeah, well the the glimpses in it, it, of what we are beyond mind and um behind the psyche and 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 the physical is are possible by um, engaging the physical and the psychic aspect of ourselves in the pursuit of that under you know good guidance and through tried and tested means and so on and so forth and so excuse me with regard to the mind with regard to the sense the, the physical self for example the physical self is involved in, in acquiring you know through the senses we reach out and we touch things we hear things we, we see things we we smell things and so forth and impressions derived from that, and we have goods and bads, happies and sads, I like this, I don't like that, and the whole world is created. It might be good for you, it might be bad for me. It might be sweet for you, it might be sour for me. So that's all very relative, relative to my mind and my senses. What I mean by glimpses is that going back and forth. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm getting to that. I understand. Appreciate it. I'm getting to that. What I'm saying is, in order to get the glimpse, hmm, we're going to start using our physical sense of self and our psychic sense of self in a different way, right? That's yoga, for example, okay? Now, when we do that, that also involves, with regard to the senses, we'll engage them differently. For example, you know, you know, instead of singing the Beatles song, you might, they're not bad, but uh, I'm going way back here, but... Uh, the, you know, you, you, you chant Hare Krishna. Of course, George did that too. But um, <laughs> uh, now with regard to mind, of course, the idea in yoga is to stop the mind in one sense, right? Hmm? So let's say you arrest the senses, you arrest the mind, you get a glimpse. Hmm? So you get a glimpse and you get a deep experience. But now what this body and mind are in one sense is a perpetuation of something that we, was started a long time ago. Movements in a particular way that were based on a sense of I am this or that that involved me in taking. And so the environment has a karmic repercussion that, that, it, that it's giving us back that is this life, so to speak. So I've taken, I've sowed, so now I'm reaping. And, 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 and while I start to engage myself spiritually hmm, through good association, inspiration, and so forth, that karmic reality is not finished for me yet. Hmm? So I'm able to rest my mind and rest my senses to some extent, and I get a glimpse experience and I go there but my karma takes me back so to speak hmm? now now it takes me back but I'm not the same when I come back entirely right I now I come back and I have I, I, I've had this deep experience so so now my pursuit of yoga is more informed by experience and therefore it's more committed and so forth and then and then I, I become somewhat preoccupied with trying to talk about that experience. But that's why I talk about it so much. It's difficult, you know, to, you know, what is it like? It's beyond words. It's beyond thought. But, you know, here we are in the world of 
thought and words and logic and reason. So I got to like try to put it in some. And so one may endeavor to do like that in the context of doing that, like talking like this, one may go there and come back hmm, a few times. <laughs> and, and the more we go, of course, the more informed we are in our practice and our experience and the more, more potent our speaking about it be- becomes because we're speaking about something that's not theoretical to us. But it, but it's, it's it's on the ground of our our, our experience. So it has the poss- the power to change hearts, to change minds, to to involve, consume really other people and so forth. So this is the life of the mystic. And then eventually, of course, hmm, for two reasons, for two reasons they will be coming back. One reason is because of karma, hasn't finished, coming to arrest you, bringing back. Another reason is it's finished. The karma is finished. But that loving moment of the absolute that you're communing with has a loving purpose for you in this world. Hmm? To give love to others. Hmm? So, so there's a preservation of the um, psychophysical sense of self hmm? for moving in the world only for this purpose. And then that's there's a that in that perspective is moving in the world, always being in touch with the other world, so to speak. It's called like being in the world, but not of the world. You know, you've heard the term, right? Hmm. Yeah, yeah something like that. Being in the world, but not of it. The lo- a lotus is in the mud and in the water, but it's not wet and it's not muddy, and it's very beautiful. Something like that. Staying above the fray, so to speak. Daivim prakritim ashrita mahatmanas tumamparta. Krishna says it like this in the Gita. These persons, they are maha atma. They're big souls. They move in the world under a different influence altogether. So, yeah, there's a possibility of going and coming back. and But going there permanently, one never comes back, even if in this world, so to speak. <laughs> I mean, it means never coming back. It means you'll never be the same. You'll never, ever be the same. And only just a glimpse of this would change you forever. Sadhu Sangha, Sadhu Sangha, Sarva Shastri Koi, Lava Matra, Sadhu Sangha, Sarva Siddhi Hoi. Where does a glimpse of this come from? It comes from good Sangha, good association. Hmm? Like I get all your good association, I get a glimpse of this. And I think, oh, this is good for me. Hmm. Yes. I was going to say, um, I was going to ask, um, so you're saying the change takes place, but that doesn't necessarily mean that, that you're not going to have a body. For, for some time, yeah. yeah. This body, material body. Yeah, change place. So, so, so let me say this. This body is moving on the force of karma. That's what it's moving on. It, doesn't, it, it could be moving on the force of something else. Bhakti. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That doesn't mean to say that, you know, but this body will also die. The biological death will come. But you see, it's already, you're already dead to what the, what the world is all about. You're not really living in the world. You're really there. <laughs> you're the only appearance of being here, so to speak. But that's good for us. What else? 
Yes, my friend. How are you? So other things matter to us. <laughs> Right. What matters is is intelligently, with good guidance, pursuing these ideals. By I mean, what I mean by intelligently means is that, let's say you go to the mall, and you want you want to go to room one hundred eight, you know. And so you go and there's a map, right? And the map says room 108 is way up here. You got to go up two escalators and three flights of stairs and an elevator and you get to room 108. Okay, now you know where 108 is. What else does the map say? And you are here. Hmm? So, intelligently means with good guidance, we have to know where we are and where we want to go. And we have to know the method to go there. And we have to know it's not going to happen overnight. And those people that say it does, you don't, you shouldn't listen to them. It's going to take some time, because where we are, we have been, we, where we are in a philosophical kind of sense is, is somewhere a state of consciousness, if you will, that has been formed over eons of taking, as a wolf as a sheep, <laughs> as a cat, as a dog, as a mouse, as a cow, as a tiger, as now as a human being. Hmm? I'm a human being. And I and I now I have the chance to more readily to give and to and, and to isn't it? Do voluntary things. I'm not just under the force of of the of nature driving me. I've got to eat. Hmm? Get out of my way. You know it, 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 human life is consciousness is starting to come out a little bit in human life. So so we're just we're just like at the beginning, human life. It's a wonderful moment hmm? in eternity, human life, and in, in human life, then we have this sense that there's more to us, and then we meet a sadhu, who becomes our guide, a saintly person. Oh, and he, he or she speaks about all these things, and we're inspired and so forth, and and it sounds great, and then you know, but where do I start, and how does it's practical, and you know, I do love my kids, and you know, even though they're only a figment of my imagination, I am too, you know, <laughs> and so forth, and so like, you know, well, you know, this is a real problem for us in America because we're just like used to like, okay, here's a great idea, it'll solve all your problems, and you can get it today, just you know, get out your card, <laughs> and there you go, <laughs> and so we're thinking, where's the card? I want it. You know, I'll buy that right now. I want transcendence. I want ego death. I want the whole thing. I put it on. <laughs> I got a big balance here. You know, go for it. You know, I'll pay for it over time. You know, you know. Well, you pay for it over time, but you won't have it now either. Hmm? You pay for it over time, but you, but you won't have it all now. But you have some now. You pay according to what you can, and uh, and, and and as you get experience. Of this, then you then you're able to go, and you're able to let go, and you're able to go forward more naturally. So, we have to know where we're at, and we have to know where to go, and we have to know how to go there, gradually, 
And we have to start to think that what I really want is to go there. And this is what really my life is about. When it's all said and done, when I've had sex and that's over with, and I think, this is what I really want to do now. This is what I'm really interested in. Hmm? Get serious or whatever it is. You know, I, I, I did this or I did that, and this is what I really want to do. Uh, but I had some distraction, hmm? whether it be this, that, or the other thing, and I thought it was really important, and I did it, and it wasn't that great of a thing anyway. So now I want to get down, you know, so to business. So to make this kind of spiritual life your, the main thing in your life, this is the main thing, right? Hmm? And then, you know, I have other things that I am concerned with that are important to me that if I don't do them, I won't be able to do this because that's my condition at this point. If I didn't do this, you know, I can't just go and live with Swami on the hill, you know. I mean, it'd be nice, but but I've got all these desires, and I think I still think I am, you know, so-and-so. I know philosophically and theoretically what that is, but my practical reality drawing very strongly on me. So, so you have to then learn to love what you are not hmm, in a way that is conducive to becoming what you actually are hmm, and could be. Hmm. And so... This is, uh, uh, means to make your spiritual practice, for example. Let's say your, your guru says, you do this every day for this long. You do this and don't do anything else. So then you do that. Hmm? You, you get a footing in there. For one minute, you, you, you do only that. Or one hour, whatever it is, you do that. And you don't allow all the other things in your life that are the distractions that you, you know are illusory, but, but you like them even. You know, or you wish they would endure, or whatever. You don't allow them to get in the way of one thing. Okay, sorry, honey, it's time for practice. Kids, go to bed. I, you know, you have to like have some sensibility like this, and then those that time spent, hmm, that's where you start to grow. Hmm? And meanwhile, then, then uh, it's not that everything else becomes unimportant. You want to love your kids completely. Hmm? And so you want to think, I want to give them what I, you know, what's most important to me. So arrange my life in such a way that they, they'll be facilitated. I want to do my job that as best I can, that I'll be an exemplar in the world of somebody who's, because they think, oh, these spiritual people, they're all flakes, you know, they can't do anything. That's why they joined the, you know, the group over there. Hmm? So you want to be the best architect, you want to be the best dancer, and so forth, which is your ambition, whatever it is. And the people will say, man, you learned how to dance. You know, wow, that's great. Where do you get the inspiration? What, what, what are you all about? This is what I'm really all about, my spirituality. Hmm? And they think, wow, that's, that's cool. You know, what makes this person really tick? So you want to try to bring the two worlds together, so to speak. That's what we mean by when we say a sadhaka. Sadhaka means like a spiritual practitioner. We have the siddha, the perfected self, soul, we have the practitioner, and we have those that aren't practicing. So we don't want to be one of those. Hmm? That means adrift. Life is adrift. There's no anchor. There's no captain to the, to the ship. Hmm? We want to be anchored in our spirituality, have a good captain, navigator, and so forth. Hmm? And, and there's a lot of solace in that. You're not perfect, but oh, I'm, on, I'm on the boat here, and i got to... The captain, I'm going forward. And so we, we should do everything in our life that, that, is, that is certain things we should cut out of our life, certain things we know that will not be helpful in my practice. That will be detrimental. Hmm? 
So I stopped that completely. Some things will not be good, but they won't be entirely detrimental, and what can you do? So, you know, you wish you didn't do that sometimes, but you do, and, and you know, it's a bit of a struggle, like anything. To be perfect, perfect anything, it, you know, it, it, it's a little bit of a struggle. So there is that little bit of a battle and so forth, but overall, I think that it is quite possible to see all of your material engagements and attachments within reason, within limits, as something that can be uh, utilized almost in your own spiritual practice. It requires a bit of a philosophical mind, you know, to see your kids and then think the things they do in a certain way that gives you inspiration to pursue your spiritual life and be the example that you would like to be for them and so forth. So I think it's, you know, it's important to like understand where you are and that you, that you have to, you have to think like this. If I don't do these things that I know are illusory, I won't be, I won't feel whole enough to practice. Let's say, for example, I'm a single, a single male. I am not available, but uh, <laughs> let's say I'm a single male, kind of, and uh, and so, but, and I hear this kind of talk, and I get really inspired, and I want to practice and so forth. But there's another thing that before I came to the door, I was really preoccupied with, and that was like finding a significant other in this world, and I'm just feeling like so uncomfortable socially wherever I am. Without that, I'm feeling like, gosh. And I had a glimpse of that. I had a girlfriend a while back and it made me feel good, you know, about myself. It made me feel more whole. Hmm? And she thought I was something and so I did too, you know. And, and I, you know, you know, and it, something like that. So, you know, I really like what Swami's saying, you know, but I really like to have a partner too. Hmm? Something like that. In fact, if I don't have a partner, I, you know, I don't know if I can do all these things. I, I'm still too worried about that. So Swami, you know, he's talking about giving up things, the illusory nature of relationships in this world and so forth, a big talk like that. So then this fellow comes up after the talk and says, what should I do? So Swami understands his mind and says, get married for God's sake. <laughs> get married for God's sake. Find, there's a lot of them out. You know, they're beautiful. There's somebody, you know, find someone. I'll help you. I'll help you find someone. I'll pray for you to find someone. How's that? It's like he's talking about something completely opposite here. He's praying for somebody to find an illusory relationship and <laughs> get lost in the world and so forth. You know, I was once in a holy city in India in Vrindavan. We were riding on a rickshaw, you know, and, and, and we were going to a temple. And I, there was a monk, young monk with me. And so the whole, we were trying to get to the temple on time for the particular ceremony. And so that there was a wedding that was taking place. And when these weddings happen in this little Indian village, then it becomes a big thing, and they come out with trumpets, doo -doo -doo, and the, the big band comes, boom, 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 you know, and and uh, and then the, the the bridegroom is riding on a donkey, and they got this whole thing, you know, all these rituals and whatnot. So the whole everybody stops, all traffic stops. It's just a whole traffic jam, you know, you can't get anywhere. So this monk says to me, Dad, can you believe that? Here we are trying to go to the temple, you know, and the marriage is getting in the way, you know, <laughs> stop. <laughs> <laughs> and I was said, I said, I think it's far out. It's, I think it's beautiful. Look at that. You know, I'm looking at it an entirely different way. Some guy out here, you know, is um, they're announcing it in a big way. He belongs to her. He belongs to her. So we shouldn't see him over there or over there, which is our animal tendency, right? To go anywhere and everywhere. I mean, everybody accepts that our sexuality should be harnessed on some level. 
That's why we just don't jump on people in the mall, you know? <laughs> on some level, right? Hmm? That's kind of what marriage is about, too, right? Isn't it? It's like, you know, okay, let's license the whole thing. Let's, you know, give it more meaning, you know? Let's have kids with it, too. That gives it more meaning, make it more full. And, and it's, it's actually becoming, I look at them and said, you know, you probably do good with, you know, one of those, you know, a marriage, you know? You know, you could become more whole and, and, you know, it's possible. So it's possible to go backwards, to go forward sometimes. And so then we, if that's the case for us, for example, then we should see that life as meaningful. Hmm? For example, married life and family and kids, I see it as meaningful. And things that I want to do to make my family, you know, um, everything I think it should be and so forth. I need all those things for my spiritual life. And so I, I, I you know, I do them. I do them religiously and so forth, and uh, I try to then blur this line between my material illusory life and my spiritual life. Hmm? Like, I, you know, I'm, I'm a renunciate, but, you know, I think marriage is, is, is beautiful. It helps people. It's very good. They can learn to sacrifice there, especially when you have kids. I mean, you know, you've got to make all kinds of sacrifices and stuff. So you grow from, from sacrifices. So something like that. Does that help? Kind of. Yeah. We are seeing, and there's, and, and there's ten, you know, personalities, and there's different ways people um, express themselves. Yeah. And, you know, there's, yeah, there's the spirit, it seems like there's a spiritual practice and practicing that and, you know, doing your sadhana, but isn't there any appreciation for the, the no, the, the, the embodied, No, that is not true. It's therefore, therefore, the uh, what you're missing. Therefore, is the body should be used in a particular way, hmm? which makes it very meaningful. Hmm? Even if if you have a family and so on, so it makes it meaningful because you have a centered purpose. It's not just a family unto itself. I mean, I mean, what? In other words, what's the difference? If you have you get together with a guy and have kids and so forth, I mean, animals are doing the same thing. What's the difference? I would say the difference is that, is that human life becomes more purposeful in, t in pursuit of of its potential, its spiritual life, and so that makes the family a very different thing than you know uh, begetting uh, you know uh, lion cubs in you know in, in in the jungle. It's a very different affair, and so. Uh, we find, for example, in Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's mission, so many married people and so forth have so have contributed so much to the tradition. Hmm? So it's not a denial of the dismissal of the body. It's to say, use it in a particular way. Then it has meaning, it has value. That's why, that's why I'm attached to you. And I'm supposed to be detached. But I'm attached to you because you have some love for Krishna. Hmm? And I have love for Krishna. And it's coming through you and your life. And so I love everything about you. Hmm? 
you know, I'm even amused by your, you know, your, your problems that uh, come up and so forth. And I like, you know, I like to hear about them and think, oh, she's troubled by that also again, <laughs> and so forth. So I love everything about you. I love your kids. I love your mother. I wish she would love me more, but... <laughs> oh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, <laughs> but that... But so, so, there, so it's the interesting thing in bhakti is you see that all those apparently material things, which is what you're talking about, they actually take on a spiritual color and so forth, and they become meaningful. Like I like to take prasad, and I've been talking for so long that you almost have a big appetite. We're going to take a meal afterwards here, and we are going to love to eat that and so forth, and we're going to be, you know, we want it to be nice and so forth. So there's a way, and this is kind of what you're asking about, to love everything in an ordinary sense kind of, but it's not ordinary at the same time, but it has an appearance of being ordinary. That's why it's said, for a mystic in the Bhakti tradition, it's very difficult to understand them because their motive might be, they might be acting in an ordinary way, but their motive is entirely different. Like, you know, you can't find somebody in the Gyanmarg who says, I love that girl. Hmm? Right. You know, you're not supposed to love girls, you know? But in Bhakti, you can love them. I mean, it's a different thing. You're looking at them, you see them differently. I mean, Tiger loves a girl too, you know? You know, hopefully we love it a little bit differently. You know, and so the ordinary human loves a boy, loves a girl, you know, in a different way, and the sadhu loves them also from a little bit of a different vantage point. But, but still, in all their humanness and and so forth, and empathizes and sympathizes with it, and so on. So, yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So. Let me put it like this. Let me put it like this. If I love you, and I do, okay, and let's say in your material life you love somebody else. Who's a materialist? But still, you love them because of things that have happened in your life and so forth. Then, if I love you, naturally my love goes to, to one extent or to whomever you love also. If I say, oh, you love her too. Well, we got something in common, something like that. So with bhakti, when we approach the, the moment in the life of the absolute of ananda, of, of loving, hmm, this starts to pr pervade the whole of our our life. In other words, it's an audacious kind of a thing to 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 want to get that close to the to the infinite. Like I said, that it, almost the infinite becomes subordinate to your to your own love. Hmm? Subordinates himself. Hmm? That's very incredible. But what what's happening there is that it means that this this love is is so uh, pervasive that, for example, if I am in such a position of loving Krishna in that way, then Krishna loves anyone and anything that I'm connected with, that I used to love even, <laughs> almost, practically. Hmm? So, how's that? Yeah. yeah it's, 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 this is a whole, you know, this is the yoga of love, so it's, that's all we do here. <laughs> I love you. Hare Krishna. <laughs>